Welcome, welcome again to another rendition of WTF Interview. My name is Sir Royce Brielis, and I'm with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Raheem Young. How's it going, my brother? Good, man. How are things going on your Man, things are going fantastic. No complaints over here, man. That's and I'm good. also pleased to announce we have a, a special guest, uh, Sam Rennick. Uh, Sammy Rabbit Kids Money Education. That's that's what he does. That's what that's the organization he, he runs. Uh, how's it going, Sam? It's going Sammy Rific. That's what we say out here <laughs> in Sammyland. Hashtag Sammy Rific. <laughs> <laughs> anybody every time. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So uh, Sam, just to uh, get it started, uh, tell us more about your organization and also uh, uh, talk about your parents, if you will, your mom and your dad. What were they like? Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. Let me say that first. And also, I want to thank both of you for inviting me uh, to your work group uh, meeting last week. And that boy it was fantastic. Just really loved, loved it a lot. Uh, just really well done. So thank you. Uh, Sammy the Rabbit, he's all about what you said, uh, trying to help parents, teachers, and anyone who's interested in teaching kids about money. Uh, that's something I'm just like, I, I thrive on. Uh, I think about uh, uh, all day, all night. It's like breathing air for, for me, trying to figure out ideas and strategies to really make it easy and fun and engaging and effective for uh, anyone, even high school kids, to talk to young kids, particularly about money. Well, we have this belief, it was from day one. I started back at, uh, it's almost been 20 years officially in 2001, right at 9-11. You know, as an entrepreneur, that was like the first big decision I had to make. We're getting ready to make this big uh, purchase of, we started with storybooks. Our first storybook, by the way, was called It's a Habit, Sammy Rabbit. And we were going to print right before 9-11, had to cut a big check, big for me anyways. And so like, okay, should we do this or not? And anyways, we kind of you know, we wobbled a little bit. We were shaking in our heads, but we steadied ourselves and and and, and made that uh, happen. But one of our philosophies was we wanted to focus on young kids. And young kids for us means basically from like age three to 10 or 11 or 12. But definitely, if we can, start getting this conversation, this education going before age eight. There's some research that indicates and this is a big point for everybody, adult money habits, adult money habits are pretty much set by age eight. Okay. So that, that's a scary thought. <laughs> and so uh, my thought was, and I, I just mirrored my own experience. One of the reasons uh, I'm in this is because, you know, I was teasing you, but this is really pretty accurate uh, that, uh, you know, I always tell people I grew up in what I call upper poverty and upper poverty meant this. We were a low-income family. We had seven people in one house. We had zero discretionary income, but we did have a roof over our heads. We had something to eat every day, so I didn't miss any meals. You can probably tell that by looking at me. Didn't miss any meals, and we always had a clothes. Usually, I had my brother's hand-me-down clothes, all right? So, you know, back in the day, this was before Nike, uh, Converse was the big... Uh, the big shoe, yeah, I, I still don't own a Converse, all right? <laughs> so anyways, my parents uh, were both wonderful. And so this is one of the reasons uh, families really and supporting them is something that's big in my heart and why I've devoted basically the last 20 years of my life to trying to help kids. I think when you help kids, you help families. And to me, that's like the fabric of society and what it's what makes it go. I'm just so grateful that even though there's a lot of things we didn't have, but I had my mom and dad. And then when it came specifically to money, uh, my dad, it seems like from the moment that we were born, he was talking to us about uh, how to manage our money, even though we didn't have it. Like one of the things he told me, and these little tapes are still running through my head. I'm in my sixties now, but you know, we found this very hopeful for some reason, you know, he would say, you know, Sam, if you work hard and get an education, you can have anything you want. 
Now, I'm not going to be able to give you a dime for soda or for Converse, but if you work hard and get an education, you can get whatever you want. And so for me, I don't know why I always thought, hey, okay, maybe I can't get this soda today or these potato chips <laughs> because we had no discretionary income. But if I was willing to work hard, you know, I, I could get whatever I, I wanted. I bought into that mindset, that psychology. And, you know, I didn't really figure this out until I was much older, but it was kind of funny. Uh, sometimes we would go and wash our aunt's car or uh, my dad helped me start a uh, lawn mowing route, a grass cutting route. He would always find a little bit of money to do those things like, oh, let's get some soap. And he'd be out there helping us get our hustle on. OK, I got to tell you, he that was another big one of his big things. He wanted us to earn and be good earners and hustle and add value. He was drilling that into us. You know, like I said, almost from the, the minute we were born, he says, man, if you have a good work ethic and you're, you ask people, how can I help you? Your, your people, there's going to be some people, they're going to respond to that. And so I can remember him out there, man, cutting the yards with me and, and stuff like that. And, you know, that had, that's had a lasting impression on me. And so I've always had a strong work ethic. You know, if you come and have, uh, uh, I, I live with my brother and sister-in-law now, and they've got this nice pool. And it's kind of funny when they have a party, I'm out there serving everybody drinks. I'm picking up their plates. You know, they call me the executive of hospitality. But that, that, I like to be of service. And so, uh, you know, it's just part of who I am now. But I attribute that to my father. And I think fa both fathers and mothers are so important. But, you know, fathers in particular, you, you got to have that, the, that role model. I mean, when I say you have to have, what I mean is, and I know you guys know this, it's a big advantage, all right? That's another thing my dad used to tell me all the time, Royce. Okay, he grew up in the 20s. His parents divorced. Okay, that was a lot. That was a lot rarer in the twenties. And so one thing he was telling me, you know, there's another thing. He says, "Sam, you don't know how lucky you are to have a father guiding you." And what I've now learned as an adult, I was really fortunate for that to happen, and my mother as well. But a lot of his advice turned out to be on target. That so you can have a great mom and dad, but sometimes maybe their advice isn't on target. This is something, you know, as kids, you've got to sort, sort through. There's another reason why I really like, you know, I'll, I'll work with anybody. I like to find the choir. That's what I call them, like people who are interested in this subject. But I've worked with a lot of low-income kids, uh, and, and I love working with them because that's kind of the uh, environment I grew up. And I think, man, this is a, a, a message of hope. It's a message of empowerment. And, you know, I want to make sure it gets out there. So, hey. I'm pumped up today. It's a semi-rific day. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me again. Long answer. Hey, I think I told you I'm half Italian, so I can, if I get it revved up, man, I can get it going. <laughs> hey, we give you the floor, man. Thank you. Thank you. So I want to ask you, so like what ways um, are you and your dad similar in uh, what ways are you different when it comes to like your finances or your uh, ideal of finance? You know, I'll tell you two things right, right off the bat. One is uh, what, okay. Related to finance, one related to the stock market. Okay. He grew up in the depression. Uh, he just thought he, he, he wasn't into the stock market at all. He just thought there's too much potential manipulation. Uh, I went to Loyola Marymount university here in Los Angeles I was really lucky. I got a summer job in my junior year with a big technology company. It's pretty funny because even to this day, I, I can't screw in a light bulb, but I'm in this big high tech company. I was on the business side. And from the first day I went to work there, I started investing in their stock and I took a real interest in, in stocks. And so that was one area where we were very uh, different. Uh, my dad was very entrepreneurial, small business oriented. He, he did four or five <laughs> businesses. Uh, so I kind of picked that up later in life. I think we're similar in uh, that way. We're also very different in that he's, he's more of a perfectionist than I am. Uh, I'm a great catalyst for action, getting things going. I'm also an implementer, a producer, and I love challenges. But I'm not always, I'm not going to obsess over what I'll call perfection. 
Uh, I think sometimes you you should and you need to, but often you don't necessarily need to. So we're a little bit different uh, different there. Now the circumstances we grew up in were very uh, different. So he had a lot. Boy, I'll tell you, he, he always used to talk to me uh, about Midwest common sense. Okay, he's out here in LA. He had a lot of that. He had a great fundamental grasp on uh, money. He knew how to budget. He did that. He understand percentages. So he wasn't a big calculus or algebra guy, but he could tell you like on a 30 year home loan, the difference between five and say five and a half percent, that's a huge difference over 30 years, like a compounding interest. That's stuff he could calculate in his head. And even me, I, I like to think in percentages. So like, even to me, if I look like a the difference between one and two pennies to me, that's a hundred percent. Okay. Not let's see a lot of people. Oh, it's a penny. Let me just tell you, if I could earn a hundred percent in a year, man, what a year that would be. All right. Okay. Or if you look at it saying credit cards, say the difference between 10 and 12% is 20%. That's the first year. But if you're carrying a balance and you carry it into that second year, you're going to pay that 20% on the interest that that it's accumulating so it works out to be around 24 percent all right i'm like oh my goodness i remember in the old days going back to trw this is kind of funny this is before everybody had a computer but somehow i got clued into these iras and i'm like oh my god goodness i gotta get an ira and so i took out a, a piece of paper yellow paper and i put down okay i'm 21 and i said okay i think i'll retire at 45 45 years 2000 a year. I was writing this in pencil, doing it manually saying, okay, if I earn 8%, the first year I'll earn uh, $160. And then I would add it to the balance. Okay. Now I got 2160. I add 2000, I got 4160, 8%. And I saw, oh my goodness, man, if I could just stay with this for 45 years, I'm going to have one or two or $3 million. And you start seeing that compounding working in your favor. Mm -hmm. Look, here's a big tip for everybody. This is something you want to share with your kids make compound interest your friend earn it don't pay it earn it mm. don't pay it okay wow. it's very basic you know and that that but that's a powerful lesson you know start you know it's education is a process so it might just start with you know uh the words i went when i talk to kids i try and teach them what i think are the the warren buffett the heavy duty concepts but I break it down. So if, say, if I talk about compound interest, I'll mention that because I think, look, if I say compound interest, then I'll, 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 I'll explain it with some synonyms. Look, you want your money to, to grow, to go, to advance, to increase, to multiply. You want it to compound, man, just like a seed on a tree. Let me just say one seed can produce 10,000, you know, seeds and a thousand apples. That's what can happen with your money. You know, that, that's, that's exciting. Now, on the other hand, if you're paying compound interest, man, that, that, that could devastate, you know? So mm. anyways, uh, that's kind of what we had in common. One thing we didn't have in common is I, he, my dad was Irish, so he was thin as a rail. I didn't pick up any of his genes. I picked up all my Italian genes. <laughs> so, so I'm a little bit heavier than he is, <laughs> or, or he was. <laughs> but we're also both, we're, we're also, both good at what I would call basic math, which look, I think it's helpful when you're talking about money. But one of the things we do a little bit differently with Sammy the Rabbit is we're very focused on mindsets and language, the way we think about money. So look, math is a part of it, but that isn't necessarily the part that we're emphasizing. So I like to talk, you know, oh, kids, oh man, you want to be rich one day? Okay, almost every kid loves that idea. Oh, here's a recipe. So I, I love food. So I always look, like looking at things as recipes. And here's a recipe. Start saving and earning some interest. Get it to compound. Do that for a while. Just like you would go to the, 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 the gym and, and work out. Start with five pounds. When you're ready, move up to seven pounds. When you're ready, start with pennies. Move up to two pennies. Move up to nickels. Then move up to dimes. You know, then start moving to investing. It, it's a process. Get your foundation in place. You know, so that that's uh, you know, there's a little there's a little more Sammy stuff. <laughs> that's Sammy Riffick. 
<laughs> hey, Sir Royce, thank there you. You, go. <laughs> you got to tell him. I was asking you a little bit earlier. I have to know the Sir Royce story. All right, I'm going to tell you the story, but before I do that, I want to uh, give you a, a Sammy Riffick tip that I can give to the people, what I do uh, in addition to kind of what you said, because you said some powerful stuff there, like earning earning interest instead of paying it, like uh, having that be the foundation of how you think about money, like that's generational wealth right there, that's uh, breaking generational curses, if you will. I really don't believe in generational curses, I believe in generational blessings, and that's kind of what that is is uh, breaking that down and, and explaining that to young kids. You know, I have uh, to tell you, okay, yeah. uh, you're the first person who's uh, used it. Okay, I, I love language. So, and that's <laughs> part of being an author and a songwriter. And let, let me make this clear. I don't sing any of the songs. I just write the ideas. But look, I, I love this idea of... Uh, for a story okay the curse the big curse yeah. or something like that see something like that will capture kids imaginations i think but then we weave in whatever the big the big lesson is so big, royce i got you down sir royce i got you down <laughs> sir oh sir royce and the big curse there you go <laughs> but uh or, or, the, or the see the big blessing could also work and what i love about the big blessing is the alliteration on the bees so it sounds kind of nice the big blessing now what i'd be curious is to know from a kid's standpoint <laughs> yeah. like, what would they be more attracted to the curse or the blessing <laughs> yeah See, the fear or the love like that's the the dynamic oh uh, yes okay yeah yeah, yeah that's See, we're, like, we're creating something right now without even knowing. See, hey, we're, we're, hey, this is how it happens for me, baby. <laughs> to get to my Sammy Riffic tip, that would give Yes, please people, do. I'm sorry. Parents, uh, when you say uh, talk to your kids about money, don't actually just talk about it. Actually do it. Show them. So I have, uh, I got IRA accounts. You can get IRA accounts for your kids. Every time they get allowance, I don't give them money. I put it in their IRA account. So $15, $10, whatever I decide to give them. Every time I get paid, they get paid. And I put it in the stock market. And I show them, here's what you're investing in. And here's where your money is. I, I showed my daughter, she's four. I'm like, Here, here's your money. You got more money than your brothers because you put your birthday money in the market. <laughs> wow. Man, this that, is that, is right now. Hey. That is super Sammy Riffick. <laughs> <laughs> super Sammy Riffick. There you go. Well, you know, you. <laughs> it, uh, we have a song called Show Your Family the Way. So this whole doing yeah. idea, I think is a, that's a big idea. All right. And so I, I think, boy, that's, that's great advice. A great, uh, great tip. And see, parents, your kids are, you know, they're all different and they're different uh stages of development so you're in the you're like the quarterback the general whatever it is yeah. you're in the best position to assess when they're ready for certain ideas so you could have a four-year-old who's ready for stock investing on the other hand you might have a 13 year old who's still not ready for it so hey man i'm giving you five gold carrots sir royce on that <laughs> five oh Dude. five man. gold carrots baby that's a is super that the most i can get is that is that the, uh, the no, that, is that all does That's that the most perfect, you can get today. Perfect <laughs> hey, I, I'll take it. I'll receive it. Thank you. you max that, well, in, in one shot, you might come up with another one. Yeah. I, look, I don't know. You might hit the double bonus here. I, oh, to, man. The double to a bonus on the <laughs> That's 10 carrots, children, if you're listening. That's look at there. Gold carrots. Gold right. carrots. There you go. <laughs> and uh, to answer your question about Sir Royce, uh, we were having a conversation about the authority of a name. So, uh, you know what I'm saying? If you have a certain level of education, you're called something different. Like a PhD is called a doctor, for example. Yeah. And uh, I was like, man, think about, I was thinking about myself, my, my, uh, my legacy and the people that came before me. Like uh, my brother did research and he found out that uh, on my grandmother's side, we have connection to royalty in England. So, uh, and, and not just England, but like in, even in Africa on my, on my, on my dad's side. So oh, I'm like, uh, I'm Sir Royce by default. You know what hey, I'm saying? You're, you're, you're double <laughs> Sir Royce. You exactly. got English and so, the African. Oh, my goodness, so man. Yeah, it's, just, it's just me connecting to the power that I already got and uh, the, the authority that I already got. And uh, when people yeah. talk to me and they call me Sir Royce, it, uh, it feels good. And it feels good to live in and walk into that, too. And, and uh and stick my chest up a little higher, you know what I'm saying? Because that's yeah, no, that's the I respect that I, I, I deserve. 
I'm already thinking I got to get a Sir Sam. <laughs> there you go. You could. Man, I'm telling you, we all kings. I'm, I, I, I'm loving it, man. <laughs> hey, what about uh, Dr. Raheem? You know, I should have looked at your LinkedIn uh, prior to this. Forgive me, I, I didn't, Dr. Raheem. But what is your, what is your doctor in? It's in uh, business. So it's the doctor of business administration. And, oh, uh, nice. Market, yeah. Hey, I, I could probably use your help. I think, look, we're doing a great job. I think Sammy Riffick, in terms of the education and all that, the business operation, we might need a little doc. We might need to, you know, spice in a little Dr. Raheem in here. <laughs> yeah, well, sure, man. I, I'll try to help out as much as I can. And, and the other thing is, I love your last name also. It's Raheem Young. <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> I put those two together. Like what Raheem means, what Young. That's uh, beautiful. What does Raheem mean? Like what's the definition of that? What's the moniker? <laughs> you know it? It, it? Yeah, it's uh, merciful. So it's like um, another name for God is merciful God. So. Oh. Merciful God Young. Look at there. That look at there, baby. <laughs> Put a doctor in front of that. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh. no, that's 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 got to probably make you feel good too. I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Love it. <laughs> so, Sam, what what has been like your biggest challenge as far as being an entrepreneur? Oh my goodness, there are so many. The biggest. The, you know, uh, I, I don't know. There, there's a lot of them. Uh, raising capital, that's one of them. Uh, you know, here, here, here's one I was talking to somebody about. It's bringing structure to your day every day. It takes a tremendous amount of discipline to say, be on your own. I can compare and contrast that because I've had this big corporate experience and I'm pretty disciplined, but you need a lot of, lot of discipline uh, to operate on your own. I'm pretty resourceful. So, uh, so I'm, I'm pretty strong at, at, at that. But, you know, I started this around 40. I didn't have any experience at being an entrepreneur. I just thought I kind of followed my head and heart in a way. I just thought I identified I was in my second career I was in financial services. I didn't really like it. There were a few parts I did like. One is I did like talking to families and discovering about the financial choices they were making. It just turned out it was almost like a, a research project. That's where I kind of uncovered the fact that there are all these families, excuse me, struggling. It's not only the struggling, I think it's a struggle for most of us, 90, 95% of the world, whatever it is. But then there's also a lot of poor choices and decision making that of, of things that like we have control over like okay paying or not paying you know interest and particularly when it's related to something like a pizza okay <laughs> anybody who's paying interest on a pizza is making a bad financial decision <laughs> and so that what what i found uh uh in my uh, journey is, is you know all those little things over time can make a a difference and it's just important to get the information you know, the, the information out. Now, uh, Dr. Rahim, uh, please repeat the question. I got so involved in that thinking about myself doing that. I forgot the, que I forgot the question. That happens when you get in your 60s, I got to tell you. <laughs> no, that's okay. I'll, well, actually, I'm going to rephrase it a little bit. Okay. What, um, what has been like some of your greatest challenges oh, okay. in being an entrepreneur and how did you overcome those challenges? Okay, well, okay, let, let me go back to one I mentioned earlier, all right? So I had a little bit of money put aside, not nearly enough related to what you may need to, to do a venture like this, but right off the bat, that 9-11 happened, right? I've never, I didn't bring any what I'll call real experience to anything that we're doing. I've never written books before. I've never written songs before. I've never run my own company. So, you know, I didn't... I, I'm not a teacher, all right? I just had an idea and a tremendous passion. And I was at a point in my life where I was looking for more purpose and to make a contribution back, to take advantage of certain skills I might have. But how do you do that in the format of a, of a business? So, you know, uh, trying to make these decisions, that's part of it. And, and like I said, 
you know, it doesn't matter if it's $500 or 50,000, if that's all the money you have, those are big decisions. Okay. <laughs> and so, you know, anyway, I think we did make a lot of good decisions, but we made some, you know, bad decisions. How you manage your time is, is critical. Uh, I think, you know, I think there's a lot of strategies that can make things work. And then there's a lot of things that are going to make it fail, which is why things fell a lot. Now, interestingly around money, something I would say now for me, this has been just like a learning one big long learning lesson is I can tell you in a way it was kind of good. We didn't have a tremendous amount of money to start because we probably would have misallocated it. And so one of the things when you're on a uh, shoestring uh, budget or bootstrapping, you learn a lot of valuable lessons. Now they, it may not, maybe you, you may not be able to maybe apply them on whatever your endeavor is at that time. But if you keep pursuing something else, they may become very uh, important in executing and monetizing whatever that endeavor is. So now I, my, my thinking is a little bit different because everybody's, okay, I needed, you know, 1 million, 5 million, 10 million. Let me say for most entrepreneurs, unless you have a really well-defined plan, they're, they're, they're going to blow that money. Okay. They're just not experienced enough or miscalculations, whatever, what, 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 whatever it is. So, but I would say now, look, we've done a lot of a development. We're a lot smarter now. Uh, I'm not experienced in raising money. I know we could use some uh, expert help maybe in that area. Uh, I think there are some things like if you look at it, we have a book, Sammy's Big Dream, that that book could probably be scaled by itself or our music. And so put, having some capital to, to do that would be helpful versus always trying to, you know, let me just say, I think I passed every resourcefulness test there is <laughs> in trying to keep this moving and going and all of that. You know, making contacts. Okay, here's something. It, it's really kind of obvious, but I uh, I lost a little bit of focus. So, you know, keep your focus. That's a separate lesson. But, you know, who you know and trying to network and make the right connections is really important. And, you know, if you would have asked me that, say, when I started 20 years ago, I would have said, of course, that's obvious. But as I started getting into the endeavor, and then I just started becoming overwhelmed, I'm going to say with passion and, and, and all of these things, uh, I wasn't functioning as well as a business person, probably as I should have been. You got to be able to do both, especially if you're a solo entrepreneur. I have another person helping me on a halftime basis. So there's essentially two of us, but you got to be able to juggle both. I probably gave in a lot more to the creative side than to these what I'll call business disciplines. And so trying to make the right connections. And let me, let me just share this. I think this is really incredible. Like, hey, we're having this conversation. We've already been in two or three conversations. These tools that exist today are just incredible. Okay, so when I was growing up in an area called Frogtown, that was the name of the local, the local gang, all right? <laughs> and so in Frogtown, for me to go to the next town over, it might take me three hours. I'd have to take a bus. I'd have to wait for it, get over there. I, you know, I wasn't going to be really meeting anybody except for who was in Frogtown. All right. And, and I have to say, there were a few people there who were probably worth meeting, but 98% of us, we were in the same boat. And some of us, like, we're, we're you know, thanks to my dad's uh, and my mom's guidance and, and parenting, they, they gave us a vision of hope a path, a recipe. They're saying, this is what you have to do. And guess what? You don't have to be here your whole life. If you want to, that's okay. But if you don't want to, you don't have to. Okay. These, this is a formula. This is what you need to do. Plus you need a little luck or blessings, whatever it is. But it seems like the more you're like, say, pursuing the right strategies, the more luck and blessings you're, you're going to, to receive while trying to meet the right people and now the right people are not always like oh the people who have all the money sometimes they are sometimes the right people are like sir royce and dr raheem okay <laughs> and so but you want to surround yourself with the right people who support your vision in a what i'm going to say a realistic but hopeful way so you've got to have in my opinion 
and, and this is the way it was in the 60s, I, I think it's less that you've got to have constructive criticism. You've got to be able to accept it. Uh, I, I think if you want to grow and if you want to win, okay? So you got to have people saying, hey, I think this is a good idea. Or this is a bad idea. Here's why. And then you evaluate it. You don't have to run every play they call you. If you don't agree, that's okay. But you, you want to be able to assess it. It's not all like some magical thing or whatever, hope, believe. You've got to do that as well, okay? Because sometimes you don't have all the, the answers, but if you're pursuing them, there, and especially if you're doing it in a diligent way, there's a better chance, and that's all we're talking about, a better chance of finding the right, you know, the, the right solution for whatever your situation is. And so a lot of this stuff has come more into focus, say being an entrepreneur, you know, an entrepreneur. I think, you know, organizing your time is number one. Here's another one. Get as clear as you can on your vision, okay? If I know, look, my goal is to get to Chicago. My goal is to get to Chicago by next week. Okay, if it's by next week, I could take a train. I could take a plane. Uh, I probably won't be able to bicycle because I'm just not physically fit enough. But if I was, I might be able to. Now, if you say, okay, be here by next week and be well-rested or whatever, I could start formulating my plan or plans. And then I can start evaluating and execute on it. So that clarity, you know, really helps. Now, having said that, it's okay also if you're not totally clear, but you're working and pouring your effort into a direction, but you want to be, you know, measuring and monitoring. You need to know if, you know, you have to have some gauges. Are you on track or not on track? Like, so part of one of my gauges wasn't always about monetization. Now, let me say, whether you're a for-profit or nonprofit, you have to have revenue. So I think monetization needs to be a part of your measurements, <laughs> okay? But I probably should have paid more attention to that, but I did pay a lot of attention to, we wanted to have products and high quality products that worked. So I spent about three or four years testing our first book, It's a Habit, Sammy Rabbit. I would read anywhere, somebody would have me read that book, all right? And I was just making notes the whole time. People would whisper in my ear, Hey, what do you think about this idea or that idea? Now, I'll tell you, I didn't use 95% of them, but 5% of them, they were, they were uh, Sammy Rabbit, gold carrot ideas, baby. And even now, I still <laughs> tweak it up. I, I tweak it up a little bit because I, I kind of take a technology view. You, you've got to constantly improving, innovating also, but I think it's more important you're improving uh, to stay competitive, to stay relevant. You know, competition is great uh, because it, it will keep you on your toes, in, in my mind. So I think you need some of that. And so anyways, those are some of the, 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 the lessons I'm still learning. That's another thing. I mean, be open to learning, all right? Mm -hmm. But get around, you know, the, the, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, man, get around people who support you. You know, this is a big, I think this is a big point. I'm sure you guys have a philosophy on it for parents and kids, uh, try and pay close attention to who your kids' friends are and then help them make good choices, create metrics on how to choose good or better friends. You know, I was just talking to a, a, a parent who's sending their daughter off to college. And so she was talking about some of her fears and different things. And then she said to me, she said, her, her daughter's name is Valerie. She said, you know, one of the things that I know Valerie, we were talking about her roommate. She's going to be living on campus and it's like, you know, five or six hours from home. So it's not right around the corner. She says, I'm pretty confident she's going to have good roommates because she's always chosen good friends. Her high school friends, she's like, I, I love them all. You know, it's like, wow. I don't think anybody ever said that about me. Okay. <laughs> I, let me say, I did choose some good ones, but I chose some that, you know, maybe we need to move on and, and, and get rid of. But that, boy, that is, uh, you know, th that can be, you know, that can make the, the difference in your life. Okay. Because yeah, if you get around the right friends, yeah. they're going to hold you accountable. You know, they want you to be the best Sir Royce, the be best Dr. Rahim, the best uh, Sammy the Rabbit. Yeah. See, and so that, that, oh man, sometimes that can be tough, but it's tough, good for you, you know? Exactly. That's good. That's good. Cause, uh, 
me and Dr. Raheem have been friends since we were in uh, kindergarten. Uh, hey, so Matt. talk about friendship. Talk about Sammy Riffick friendship right there. You know, it's 30 years, <laughs> 30 years plus. You know what? I'm giving you two more gold carrots, okay? Hey, that, that, TNs, children. And, 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 hey, Dr. Raheem gets one because there's no friendship without him, all right, exactly. for 30 years Stay in soon. kindergarten. But I'm giving you the second one because earlier when you were giving that Sammy Riffick tip, Sir Royce, uh, and you talked about allowance, like, okay, uh, I put my kid's allowance in the investing account. It reminded me of my dad, okay? We didn't have an allowance, all right? But uh, what he would do is, is like, he, he wasn't into handing us out money. You had to earn it. And, and so the other thing that he, his point was is our resources are so limited. We need the experienced people making the decisions. So he was like, we don't give the inexperienced people opportunities to make decisions that they're not qualified for. Now, let me say this. Now, if I went out and earned some money, it was, it was my money, which was a great thing usually most of it, he might take half of it away. Like, okay, you're gonna, he put me on a forced savings plan, all right? Okay, to him, that was parenting. And let me just say, now I see the wisdom of that, all right? Yeah. Because he was like, hey man, you're not, this is another concept. This is a, a question I always like to ask young kids, teenagers, like who, if they have jobs, who do you work for? Okay, and so they might say Starbucks, right? And so I'll say, okay, that's interesting. Have they already been approached for a credit card? Oh, yeah, I have. Oh, do you pay your balance off? No, I don't. I said, well, you know, part of when you're carrying that balance, you're paying interest. So part of your time, you're at Starbucks working, but you're really working for that credit card company because that's where that money is going. It's just moving through your, through your hands or it could be your shoes or your clothing. Now, look, some of that is okay. That's for you to decide. But uh, this is where I think having goals is really important because all of this is a trade-off. So you got to make these decisions, man. What's more important, getting that Converse or getting that house or getting, hey, maybe it's that paper route that's going to make more money for you or, or, or whatever it is, that entrepreneurial bi business that uh, is going to say, now, oh, hey, getting a Converse means nothing to me now. I mean, a Nike, because I've got the income to support it. I've got that discretionary income you know so making those little uh those choices i think are really important so to me i was like hey sir royce you could have been my dad man that's that's real uh sammy dad dad ship there <laughs> oh for sure man yeah uh, it's been a lot of good tips uh during this conversation man so uh that's definitely another sammy riffy one so yeah <laughs> so you're up to seven and dr reem's up to one that's that's a lot of gold carrots baby <laughs> now uh, my next question for you sam is uh you had a big family growing up right we talked about that before but uh what um what type of lesson did you learn from seeing your dad be a father to your siblings you know, uh, I, my dad was my hero. You know, it wasn't until I was older that I, realized, I started realizing, you know, he's mainly a great dad. He does have a few faults. So. <laughs> 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 Look, I thought he, now he was much older than my, my mom. Uh, this was his second marriage, my mom's first, and it, you know, went over 40, 40 years. And so one of the things that's interesting, my older brother is three years older than I am. I have a younger brother. He's five years younger. And then I have a sister who's five years younger uh, than he is. So as he was getting older and he was already older, his energy wasn't the same. So I think there were some differences. But overall, uh, there was a consistency. I think he gave us all kind of this, these similar messages. We took them in differently all right so you know i'm probably a little more on the investing but my younger brother uh, he's got a very successful plumbing business he he did not go to college i i did my older brother did my other my older brother went for a government job he he's and he did a great job like okay he started putting money away and saving bought a home uh he's doing a little investing now but he wasn't really on that track uh my younger sister uh you know, we, I, her, her way of looking at things is like totally different. She's, she uh, got a great job. 
She's a great learner. It's kind of interesting. She ended up, I don't know if you've heard of San Diego State. Okay. She she went to San Diego State. Everybody there's like on the seven or 10 year plan. Okay. <laughs> it's a big party school. Hey, it's a pretty good school overall, but it's easy there to get lost. But she went, she didn't complete there, but then she started working and she started having great success in the workforce. But then she went back to school in her late 20s. She wanted to finish that degree and she did. And she majored in communications. And at that time she was working for insurance companies. But then five years later, she switched careers, went back to school, got a nursing uh, certificate degree, got certified, then got a master's in, in nursing. And then I forgot in between there, she got a teaching uh, certificate and was teaching for a while. So man, she's like, she's repositioned herself three or four times. And as you know, as you get older, it's, it's harder to do. I mean, she's put herself back into to school and got all of these, uh, you know, degrees. It's, it's kind of a, amazing. So look, I think whatever they did, there was a lot of good uh, that they did because we're all, I would say, productive people. We, you know, we contribute, we pay taxes. We're kind of each self-sustaining. As it turns out now, it's, it, this is kind of funny. When I was in my 20s, I was probably the most self-sustaining. Now I'm probably the least self-sustaining <laughs> ever, ever since I got on this mission. <laughs> it's, it, it's been tremendously gratifying, but we got to get, as I said, we got to get the Dr. Raheem more the business discipline in there <laughs> to, to make it more uh, financially, say, rewarding. But uh, so and my, my mom was like consistent. She was younger. Uh, she provided uh, a lot of love. You know, uh, uh, she was the, we like to I like to say she was the cheese in our pizza. She kept everybody together. So my dad was, you know, he was behind us all the way. But, you know, he was out of that era less. You know, he wasn't an emotional kind of a guy. And let me just say, but he was a very, he was a very direct. Okay. And this is what I loved about him. I'll give you two situations. One is with my sister. He had the father daughter talk, not the mother daughter talk. He's like, she was like 12 or 13. He sat her down and my sister still tells this story like, Oh my God, why is my dad talking to me about the birds and the bees? <laughs> and he's like, okay. He's like, Hey, listen, you know, you might start liking guys and this and that and all that stuff. And, you know, I don't know what his exact words, but he laid it out for her, like, pretty clearly. Look, <laughs> young guys, man, they're, they, they like girls, okay? And this, this could result in problems for you, you know? So I want you to be very judicious. And he wanted her also, and I've heard a few other parents along the way, like, even though, you know, I'm going to say he had some, let's say, uh, you know, and I don't know how all this, you know, really shakes out or whatever, you know, he, he looked at certain differences say between men and women but he wanted my sister to be very independent okay and so he that's part of why he's giving her this talk you know my mom would shy a little way a more away, away from that now i remember another time this is with me one of the things both of my parents used to tell us all the time was you know they try and steer us in the right direction but they they understood we were kids okay and so he's like if you ever get into any serious trouble i want you to know you can come to us, all right, right away, all right. And uh, but other times, like saying the let's say the day to day stuff, like okay, we made a mistake, then they might never do that again or whatever, like put some fear into you or whatever. But there was like this separation, and somehow you kind of you could take it like, oh my god, if they're getting upset about this, if it's a big problem, maybe that's going to be like the end of the world. But the way they were telling you, it was building this confidence, and I ran into a couple of problems. And when I got into these problems, the first thing I thought was, I got to talk to mom and dad. And, you know, I went home and they did, there was no blaming or anything. They just said, okay, this is a problem. Let's think it through. And how can we resolve it? And man, they had my back and it wasn't like, what kind of a knucklehead are you? Okay. That might've came later. The first thing was, look, we need to figure this out, you know, because this, this could really mess, mess you up or, or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? And so, man, that, that, to me, that's a tremendous safety net I think parents can give their, their kids. Now, hopefully, and I know this is true in your cases, I get, I get this sense from you, 
you know, you've got the substance, you've got the chops to back that up. Okay. <laughs> and so it's not like, oh, you know, you, you, you throw them out there or whatever it is. Look, good kids, you know, can make anybody can make a big mistake that can be life changing. Okay. Yeah. Sure. It could be, let's say a bad kid, if there are those things or kids who are more trouble prone, but it could be, look, a kid, a kid could be 99% doing all the right things. And one day he does something that's just part of their exploration. And all of a sudden, in that second, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. And all of a sudden, you know, boom, that's it, man. Or whatever it is, could have some very severe re repercussions. You know, we've got to support, uh, in my mind, this is why I feel so strongly about family. And also it has to do with this message. My dad telling me, hey, look, you're getting guidance. You, you, you don't really understand how important this guidance is. And so now, you know, that, that's kind of what, I don't know, that, that message, you, you guys may know this to some degree, but all these things you think kids aren't listening to, they're little seeds that they go off when you're 22, when you're 38, when you're 45, when you're 63. And I'm like, you know what? My, I think my dad was right. There's certain ways I can make contributions in a variety of areas, but the one that weighs heavily on me is this whole family thing. Now, look, we had seven people. My grandmother, who was tougher than George Patton, the general, okay, she was in our house, man. And at 4.30, she'd wake up, and that meant everybody else is waking up. She'd start cleaning pots and pans and banging on them. And, hey, <laughs> that's the, you, can't, you can't avoid that. But we had seven people. We were in a house that basically had two bedrooms and one bathroom. We had one car. Sometimes we'd have two, but often we had one. It was like trying to run a military operation. Okay, Royce, five minutes, seven to seven oh five. Okay, <laughs> the breakfast is ready. Eat it. We got to be in the car to drop the kids off at school. Okay, and all, all of these things. You don't have all these like choices. You know, I, I've got this one friend. He asked his kids like. Okay, what do you want to eat? What do you want to eat? What do you want to eat? And then he'll go, he'll go to Del Taco, he'll go to El Pollo Loco, go to McDonald's. Tonight we're having peanut butter and jelly. If you're hungry and you want to eat it, here it is. If you don't, that's your call. Okay. Oh, <laughs> and we're eating at five o'clock. So if you're not there at five and your brother eats your sandwich at 5:15, you've got a problem. Okay. <laughs> that's it, man. We're like, okay, there was a lot of there was a lot of structure. Now, I will say, as we started getting older, they started, we started earning their trust, their respect, and then they started giving us, you know, a little more flexibility, you know, so now it's, you know, you guys are on the front lines now, man, I, I, I admire you guys, it's a lot, it's a lot tougher, because, you know, when I was growing up, children were to be seen and not heard, and let me just say, I don't know if it should be that stringent, but I think there is a lot of value in that, uh, even today, okay? Because it goes back to that, that point. Sure, you, you need to listen to your kids and, and, and hear them out, but I don't know that you always, like, what do you think? Like, okay, they're eight years old or they're 10 years old. Once in a while, maybe you ask them, but you determine that. You, you know if what they have to say is worth thinking about or, or not, but, man, when you're making these crucial decisions, and crucial decisions might be, you know, if you've only got a hundred dollars a week to spend, every penny is a crucial decision. Okay. And so my, my dad, more than my mom and my grandma as well, none of them were afraid to make a hard call. And a hard call was, we don't have money for soda. All right. So go out there and play with your friends and have some water. Okay. <laughs> Cause what we're doing is we're going to make sure you have something to eat. And that, so when you go to school, you're not hungry and, you know, that kind of stuff. So they were, they understood our situation and they managed a, accordingly. Of course, I'm a kid. I want everything. So I just kept bugging my mom and dad, but let me say, they didn't wear down. They like, okay, their favorite word I thought was no, no, no. And they had, hey, it was like a basketball player. They had different versions of no. There's the soft no, the double no, the, the three point <laughs> no. And if I have to tell you more than three times, there's okay. There could be some <laughs> other consequences. <laughs> Sam, how did you come up with the character Sammy the Rabbit? <clears throat> okay, so here, I, you know, I just asked myself some questions. So I'm thinking, as I said, one of the first things. Here's the first question I asked myself: 
if I could only teach an adult or a child one thing, one thing about money that was actionable, what would it be? All right. And so I thought, uh, uh, you know, I'm now maybe, I don't know, 36 or 37. And, uh, you know, I didn't have any big success. Uh, my main success was I worked those 18 years. And from day one, I was spending less than I earned. I created my own saving and investment program. And I did that every week, week in and week out. And guess what? That created a certain level of financial freedom. Okay. It wasn't, it wasn't a big level, but it was a level. That's how I think most people are going to, you know, that they can do it. You can start incrementally, you know, moving, moving up in that, uh, in that way. And so, uh, to me, that was it. I said, the lesson I want to teach people, and you could say this in, in different ways, but I'm going to say it was pay yourself first. And I'll tell you why that really resonates with me. Because when I was 13, one of the things my dad had me do was read this book called The Richest Man in Babylon. <laughs> and, and in that book. Great book. So, that's a great uh, book. That's a great book. Yeah. So I might be, I might be the only 13 year old in my neighborhood who's reading that book. All right. And the, in that book, he's like saying a part of everything you earn uh, is yours to keep. And it's like, wow, wow, man, you can keep part <laughs> of what you wrong. earn. <laughs> yeah. And so, and then my dad would explain it a little bit to me. So I was getting that and I'm like, okay, Seven people in one bedroom, one bath, two be two bedroom, one bath house. For me, you've probably heard that saying, necessity is the mother of invention. You know, one, here's an advantage when you're growing up poor. If you channel that energy right, it can be the fuel to take you to the next level. Well, I wanted to get my own place, man. I was sick of living with my brothers and I wanted a little privacy. <laughs> you know, I was like, hey, man, I'll work two jobs. I got I to gotta get, get out of here. But also, I was like, I got to put. I got to put some money away. And I, I, I don't know why, I mean, I had to probably do with my dad and all that, but even though I was working for a company, I like this idea of ownership. So that's why I said, I got to start, even though it's like, there's millions of shares, I got to buy my first share of this company. Unfortunately, they had a plan that allowed you to do that. So I'm like, okay, hey, now I'm a part owner. I like that. And the way I viewed when I was working, this was an idea. I've seen it in a few books, but I got it from my dad is, even though I was an employee, I treated myself like I was my own business. Sam Rennick Consulting, let's say. I'm hiring my time out. I've got to show a profit just like a business would do. So I think my first year in professional work, I was earning $8 an hour, which is about 16000 a year. This is back in 1980. I think I put away probably between $1,600 to $2,000. Okay, so, so I was paying myself first. I was spending less than I earned. Let me just say, if you do that your whole life, you're going to have some money. I don't know how much money you're going to have, but you're going to have some money because that's a recipe that says you're putting away, you're putting away, you're putting away. That's just simple addition. Okay. Now, now here's another thing that happens. When you start doing that, at some point, you're going to start asking yourself a question. You're going to say, well, where am I putting my money? I'm putting it in the bank. Are there any other places I can put it? Where, where, where will it earn some interest? Okay. This is like the mindset. This is why panties are so important. It starts changing your thinking, your relationship, you know, with money. Then all of a sudden, now I was fortunate, but I think I would have sought this out also. So, okay. I was at this company. They had these plans. I was going to do this anyways, but maybe I was going to do it in their plan. But guess what? When I'm going to lunch, a lot of these other people, they're doing that too. So at lunch, they used to like to talk about investments or real estate. I'm like, I was all ears, man. I want to hear. Okay. I wanted to learn about that stuff. So this is goes to that also point, like choose your friends. Okay. Mm -hmm. These are things we can all do and we can improve our choosing. So maybe in the, in the beginning, it's kind of landlocked. Who's ever in your zip code or on right blocks. But if you're doing a good job there, when you go to middle school, there's more kids, high school, there's more kids. All right. Now you've started getting some experience you know, I used to have friends, I used to have kids that were smart, kids not smart. I think they were all mainly good kids, though. Okay, in terms of like, you know, they, they, they you know, they want to do good things, whatever it was. But uh, anyways, I still have some of those relationships, none from kindergarten. I think my longest ones are back to high school, you know, and so that can really propel your, you know, your, your life and all that. So look, after I made that decision, the next decision this was a part of that decision. 
I wanted to focus on young kids, as I shared earlier, because that was my experience. And I, look, I didn't think it's not rocket science. I'm saying, look, if this worked for me, it could work for other people. I'm not, there's nothing that special or unique about me. Okay. All right. And so this is, this is all training. This is stuff you can learn. It's not like, you know, all, oh, you were born, you know, seven foot two, maybe you can be a basketball player. All right. Okay. I'm slow. I was pretty good at baseball, but I had a hard time. I turned more triples into singles than anybody in the history of baseball. Okay. I could barely, <laughs> I could barely get the first base. Okay. I was a good hitter, but I, they're always like, Johnny Hauser, I'm, running, Sam. I'm like, I'm running as fast as I can. <laughs> I don't have like any... that Pete Rose clip where he was running, you know, trying to score and he ran over the catcher. You, you there, that there, okay. <laughs> they used to call him Charlie hustle. There I'm surprised. Hey, I'm surprised. Okay, you know that. That was a great yeah, guess. I, man, ESPN showed it all the time. Oh, do they? Okay, all right. So that, that's, I should have. I'm like, man, he, he really wanted to score. He that was, was an all-star okay. game. You know, like, see, that's, a, that's a, okay. That, okay, they played those games different in those days. Yeah. Okay, they, and, and he, you know, I mean, that's a great story you can tell in a lot of ways. It's, it's, that's a great point. He wanted to score. That See, this is something, you know, going on a side point. I, I've heard this. So much in, in low-income schools, I mean, it tears my heart out. Sometimes the teachers will say, oh, these kids can't save. And I'm like, you know, I, 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 how do you know that? And I don't know that they personally know it. They're just like, okay, they're low-income kids. I'm like, I don't know if this kid can save or not, okay? <laughs> because I don't know his design. I don't know what his Pete Rose factor is, okay? Yeah. But I, here, here's a couple of things I do know. Is I know a lot of kids, maybe it's not most of them, but they're kids who elevate themselves through whatever their circumstances are. Some of those kids might be in this class. I, I just don't know which ones they are. And number two is, is whether they use it or not, they need to know the recipe, all right? <laughs> and then, you know, let me just say, it might, be, it might be hard, whatever your circumstances are. It's even harder if you don't know the recipe, okay? <laughs> it adds another, and so what I'm thinking you should be telling them is, you know what, it's important to save, and here's 12 reasons why, it's up to you to figure it out. I know, look, I know it's not easy. Okay. It isn't, but that's also what makes it worth it. And let me say, if you figure out how to do it, that's going to strengthen you. Okay. And then you're going to be in a position to strengthen your family, your friends, or whoever, whoever you decide that you want to help strengthen. That's worth aiming for. That's worth shooting for. That's worth overcoming, whatever your circumstances are. And just that is going to just that is going to give other people hope. And guess what? It could have a compounding effect. OK, I, I remember this guy when I was playing baseball. I, 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 ha, I hear this more now, but I hadn't heard it then. And he said, Sam, if you get a hit, I'll get a hit. It was like, if you can do it, so can I, you know, and I was like, oh, man, wow. OK, you know, and so. Uh, you know, so I, I look, there's nothing like I said, uh, look, I have certain gifts or abilities or whatever it is, but there, in general, there's really nothing special about me. If there are things that are special, these are things that I've developed over time for the most part. All right. You know, it, it always upsets me when people say, oh, I'm shy. I'm like, that's not a permanent condition. You might make it one, okay? <laughs> but the way, the way you get better at that is raise your hand. And let me just say, if they crush you, take a few days off and then raise your hand again. And then say something. Just say, hey, my name is Sir Royce. And then everybody's going to, maybe if you're kids, kids can be brutal. They're all going to laugh at you. Get back in there, all right? And then one day you're going to be saying, oh, my God, I'm now the speaker at the United Nations or whatever. There's a lot of stories like that. And so find that recipe, find that recipe, you know, call it whatever you want. Chicken heart from the soup, soul, lemonade stories, you know, whatever it is, let's get those recipes. There's a lot of them. That's the other great thing. You know what? There's a, there's a million great ways to make chicken soup. Hey, let's make it Louisiana style. Let's make it. Hey, how about hot dogs? Let's get one of those Chicago dogs, baby. There you go. <laughs> that was the first hot dog I ever saw with a tomato on it. I'm like, what? What is this thing? It's got, you know, that's okay. So they got the New York dog, the Chicago dog. They're all great. You know, maybe the Chicago's the best. 
since I'm talking to you guys, today it is. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, they so got you, a late you know, dog too, probably. You know, they got. Oh, they, what, now, you know, now they do. They wrap them with bacon or something. My go. my favorite my favorite hot dog for the most part is the Costco hot dog. All right. Yeah, it, well, it's a quality all beef dog. It's huge. You get it for here, and I'm, it's probably closer. A better price there. A dollar fifty plus a soda for free. I'm like, you can get a word. That's a Hall of Fame hot dog, man. For a buck fifty, come on. Now, you know, I I like the Chicago dog also. It's a different, it's a different kind of a dog. I also like those uh, Nathans. That's a different kind of a dog. Okay, but that that one fit that one fifty dog might be Indeed. five times. Yeah, it, it, it that, look, man, that's Hall of Fame. There you go. <laughs> Hey man, speaking, of, all -star. <laughs> speaking of Hall of Fame, Sam, man, this has uh, definitely been a classic interview. We're going to put this in the rafters. You know what I'm saying? So we uh, oh, are close Thank to time. Uh, well, I, I, like I said, I already love you guys. And, uh, you know, <laughs> this is another thing. I, I hope I'm right. I hope you're right about me, whatever your thoughts and thinking are. Yeah. But uh, Monica introduced us. I got a solid feeling from her right away. Now, she's a little more my age. So I was like, to me, it was like I was going back to my childhood. See, this is really interesting because I think, say, I'm not sure where she grew up. I'm obviously, you know, some version of white and you guys are black and she's black. But her values were very similar to the values I grew up with. Yeah. OK, from that era. And to me, everything she was telling me, I'm like, this is a solid person. I'm not saying every idea is perfect or whatever, but like, man. She got that. She's got the formula. She gets it. She understands it. You know, it, it look, the formula, I think, is largely on track. And as I said, there's a lot of different ways to to do it. But that she was saying, like, oh, you got to talk to Sir Royce. I'm like, OK, let me see where this goes. And now you and Dr. Raheem, I mean, you invited me on that program. And I mean, I, I got a good feeling from you. But then when I went on that program, I'm like, man, these guys, they're the real deal. Okay, they're, they're in there trying to improve dads. You know what? We've got a big dad problem probably all across the globe, but definitely in the United States and in, in every demographic. I mean, and you guys are, you know, it's, it, 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 and it was very well run and uh, conducted. So I want to thank you guys uh, for having me and uh, hearing a few of my thoughts. Thank you very much. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for, for sharing your story. Uh, it's, it's definitely a unique one, <laughs> for sure, man. You definitely got a, a, a great foundation that was set by your dad. And, uh, you know, and you've been yes. kind of doing that. You've been doing that for other kids. So you're, you're kind of like a father to a lot of kids yourself, you know, so. Well, th thank you. I'm just trying to help in this one uh, area. What I'm glad is I don't have to go home and do all the other disciplines. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I will say I picked up a lot of great ideas and i recommend everybody sit in on your uh weekly or bi-weekly uh webinars uh man yeah. i there was just a lot of wisdom there yeah thank i appreciate you. that appreciate you that bet. thank you yeah so my last question is a question that i already asked and uh i'm not sure if i got your email but i'm gonna, ask, I'm, gonna I'm gonna say what you said uh here's what you said sam you said uh to the question what does fatherhood mean to you he said, I need to give this some thought and we'll email you a response. Great question. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Sam, if you can ref uh, reflect or uh, kind of think about that and uh, answer that question for me, what does fatherhood mean to you? Look, I, I you know, you, you, you know, I, I forgot about that. Thank you for reminding me, first of all. But uh, now that we've had this discussion, there are some ideas flowing through my, my head more than when you asked that that previously and i'm gonna say look I, I i think it means everything all right or almost everything because look even if you have a bad father i think there's things that you can do that's why i'll say it means almost everything but you know i gotta go with my dad that having this guide uh in your life can make an enormous difference and so that's part of why i feel so passionate about what we're doing because I know the difference it made in my life. I've seen the difference it's made in other uh, kids' lives. And so, you know, um, a, a father, a re, what I'll call a responsible father figure, not that for me, that doesn't mean making all the right calls. I don't think anybody can do that. What I think it means putting in the effort, putting in the work, as I hear people say, 
but you got to put in the work. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. so, uh, man, father and mother, but since I'm a guy, I'm going to say, Hey, this father role model, whether you have a daughter or son, man, it is, it is crucial. I hope, uh, to meet more. And, and I know many, but you know, still, you know, maybe one third, I always like to joke with people and say, Hey, Sir Royce, you're ruining America. You're trying to parent. Because okay. <laughs> it seems like two out of three people, they're, they're, not, they're not putting in an honest effort at it. If you're putting in an honest effort, that's one thing I think, look, that's all you can do. Okay. And, and it's like, okay, these are your kids. Come on. You know, <laughs> let, 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 let's do it. So look, my hat is off. Uh, you know, I wrote this article one time, like, okay, how do we solve financial literacy? And I don't think there's any magic solutions. I think it's about effort and doing the things I see you doing, like having those workshops, like having this podcast, okay? We need a million of these, and you're laying the, the blueprint, the groundwork for other people. I'm sure you're learning from other people. We can all be lifting ourselves up. It helps everybody. Look, fatherhood is, uh, you know... It's just about everything for kids, okay? As is as is motherhood. <laughs> so hats hats off. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Sam. Hey, uh, Dr. Rahim, you're very welcome. Thank you. Oh, actually, we have another meeting this Thursday. So if you're not busy, you know, tune in. Okay, yeah, please send me the invite. That's what happened is I, you know, I forgot about it after we talked, but then my, uh, I know I came a little late, but my phone went off. It's like, oh, you have a meeting. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, I forget everything. You know, I'm going to periodically try and uh, attend. I did, as I said, I found it very, uh, very valuable. So uh, yeah. thank you. Plus it is the kind of thing when I'm able to, I want to support. Just let me know how I, I'm able to. I think, you know, attending is something I'm capable of doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate. It. Hey, you're very welcome. <laughs> All right, well, we're gonna go ahead and wrap it. Uh, Doctor Young, did you have any other questions for Sam? Uh, no, I didn't have any more questions. Um, I just wanted to say thank you again. Uh, you're very, you're very welcome. You know, I, I'm, I'm gonna come up with a short uh, book, like seven words everybody needs to know. Thank you, or two of the seven. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So, hey, you got another go carrot, Dr. Ray. <laughs> Thank you. There you go, another carrot. <laughs> you pass some carrots out there. They, they're golden. They're golden, yeah. <laughs> I look for myself, uh, uh, Sir Royce Brianna, Dr. Ryan Young, and for Sam. Brennick, thank you again for uh, all your candor, and uh, thanks for listening to WTF interview. Stay tuned for further announcements. Here we go.